0: Hey friends, it's Weston. And I wanted to take just a second to thank you for listening to the Bowling Green Christian Church Sermon Podcast. If someone recommended this message to you, I hope that it encourages you. If you're here getting caught up on a week you missed, I hope that it challenges you. And if you're a visitor checking us out, I hope that it helps you connect with Jesus and his church. Whoever you are, whenever you're ready to take your next step closer to Jesus or to connect with the BGCC family, Know that we're here for you. You can learn more about how to connect with us by downloading our app when you text BGCC app to 77977. There in the app, you can submit prayer requests, find out about upcoming events, and even give to help support our ministry, including this podcast. It's my prayer that God uses this message to encourage and equip you to take your next best step in life, which is always one step closer to Jesus. As we continue through uh, the parables of Jesus looking at uh, the kingdom of God, uh, I saw this week that um, there are over 1,200 candidates uh, running for president this year, over 1,200. I think the number BBC reported was 12,000 or 1,214 candidates total had, had legally filed to run for president of the United States uh, we're talking about two. Although I did vote this week, I'll let you know Kanye did in fact make the ballot here in Kentucky. I know there had been question about that, but he's, he's on there for those of you that care. Uh, but really, 1,200 candidates filed to run for president of the United States. We're talking about two candidates. Why is that? Why are we talking about two It's because they've got the biggest machines behind them, right, in terms of of political force, convention, money. We talk about the war chest that they have. I I think last year, uh, last presidential election, they clipped over a billion dollars, something per per candidate. I mean, we're talking billions of dollars. Got me thinking about these other 1,212 candidates, give or take, you know, a few. Uh, A lot of them are not going to, you know, just think about it this way. What if you decided you were going to run a silent campaign? You were going to run a silent presidential campaign. You're going to file the paperwork. You're going to do it right. You're going to pay whatever fee is involved, send it in, and then you weren't going to tell anybody that you were running for president. You know, you'd know, you get one vote if you did it right. It'd be yours. And you'd have to make sure you did the write-in thing right, or it's not going to count, right? I mean, that that's how this would work. Now, obviously, that's a completely ridiculous idea, but... When you think about what it takes to have a presidential candidate do well, and you think about these other candidates, and then you think about what Jesus has to say here today, I think you'll realize that there's a bit of a difference between what it takes to be a successful politician and what it maybe takes to be successful in growing the kingdom of God inside of you. Uh, let's, let's look at the text and see. You can see what you think. Uh, Matthew chapter 13 We're going to look at two parables here. Uh, First is the parable uh, of the mustard seed. It says this. It says, He put before them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds come and perch in its branches. He told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. We've got two pictures here. One is of a seed, one is of a bit of yeast. Now, the seed that that Jesus is talking about is this mustard seed. And he says the kingdom of heaven is like a seed that gets tucked in the ground that gets buried in the ground it's almost like it's hidden but if you allow it some time to grow the kingdom of God will grow in substance and become a shelter that's what the kingdom of God will do it will grow in substance and become a shelter Jesus says it's like that mustard seed that you plant. And he says it's, it's like that little mustard seed. You plant it in the ground, you hide it in the earth, and then for all intents and purposes, it, it just disappears. But then you give it a little bit of time, some sunshine, some rain, and guess what happens? It starts to sprout. It'll eventually turn into a seedling and then a bush, and it, it'll grow into practically like a tree, Jesus says. It becomes large enough that a bird could perch inside of there and find shelter. It's true. At our house, when we first moved in several years ago, we planted a bunch of little seedlings and we ordered from the uh, forestry department. Um, I think we ordered 60. I think there's a dozen that have survived. Um, They're very fragile when you first put them in the ground. You know, they they would come out this tall, and and we have in the back there just kind of field grass, and and if you didn't mow that back part, uh, you know, the tree was hard to differentiate between the grass sometimes, and so we started putting sticks around it, and then maybe a cone or something, uh, you know, a rock to make sure that you didn't hit it with a mower, because if you hit it with a mower, you just cut the top of it clean off. Uh, we had some deer help us with a few of them, too. They came and, and took some of the green parts off. Uh, we were glad to help feed the local wildlife. And so, you know, you give it enough time, and eventually you're down to about a dozen. But I can tell you that some of these trees that are growing, they're quite substantive now. Uh, they're taller than I am. Uh, the, the trunk is, is sizable, that if you were going to hit it with the lawnmower, the tree is going to win, not the lawnmower at this point in time. It's going to do more damage to that than, than it, it would do to the tree, why? It's because it grew. It grew in substance, and now it's become a shelter. And in fact, birds do live in these trees, and it's become strong. This is what happens, Jesus says. The kingdom of God, it's like God's word. It gets tucked in there. It gets planted. And then when it grows, yes, you've got to protect it at first. But when you, once it grows, man, it becomes powerful. It becomes strong. It, it, it really is sort of um, reminiscent of, of God speaking his word at the beginning of creation. You know, if you've been following with us these last few weeks, you know that Jesus has used this image of seed to talk about the message of the kingdom of God that gets planted and tucked in and and buried, and it grows into something. It reminds us of how God creates Adam. You know, God, what does he do? He takes the earth, and, and he fashions a man, and then it says he breathes into him. He speaks a word of life, we might say, and then what happens? Adam becomes a substantive living human being. What is it that holds all of our molecules together as people? What is it that keeps these little bits of of carbon molecules stuck? There's something in us. It's the force of life that holds us together. You could go home today and fashion a man out of clay or dirt, or if you go to the beach, you can fashion one out of sand, and it'll last there for a little while. But when the rain comes or the wind comes down, what's going to happen? It's going to wash it away. It's going to dissolve it. It'll go back into the ground from, from where you fashioned it. But if you've got life inside of you, then you can be out in a rainstorm and you can have wind come against you and you can have difficult things come against you and you will stick together. Why? It's the power of life. God breathes into us and that life holds us together. This is what happens with the kingdom of God. God breathes into the church. He breathes into us and we come together, held together by the life of God and it becomes a place of shelter for us. If you've walked with God for a while, you know that your faith, while it might feel fragile at first, there's surprising resilience inside of it. It's amazing. Seeds are just sort of designed to grow. I had a few of these trees that I thought were lost that have come back. Why? Because it's in its nature to grow. That's what happens. You see, we have inside of us this kingdom of God that's in its nature to grow. And when it's planted there, while it might feel fragile, if you've walked with God for a while and you've lived with faith for a while... You know that your faith at some point in time and you could maybe put your finger on a crisis or difficult moment or, or a situation that you went through and you could say, you know what, it was my faith that got me through it. My faith became my shelter. It had grown in substance and now it was a place I could seek refuge. You see, that's what the church is to be. It's to be a place of refuge and strength and protection. It grows, Jesus says. It's like that seed that gets planted in the ground and then becomes something strong and substantive. He likens it also to another thing that you might plant or, or hide, sort of figuratively speaking. He talks about it being yeast. He says the kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed in with flour. That word mix actually is, is to hide it. You hide the yeast in the flour. I mean, if, if you planted a seed in the ground and you had enough time and energy, you could probably dig around and find that thing eventually. But if you sprinkle some yeast in some flour, well, good luck. You're not going to find it. Jesus says it's like a woman that sprinkles yeast into to some flour, mixes it together, and it becomes dough. It becomes bread. It, it, bread's kind of an interesting thing. Um, I really want this to go on record. It's just my own vanity that I have to tell you this. I got into sourdough bread before the pandemic. Okay? I, just, I just want that to go on record. I did, it, mean, it has nothing to do with the sermon. I just want you to know I didn't jump on the sourdough bandwagon I think I started it, that's all. Um, So here's here's the thing, I'm sort of obsessed with San Francisco sourdough bread and so I did a little research because it tastes different than the kinds you get other places. And I've heard people say, well, it's because it's, it's unique. You can only make it there. And so I did some research, um, and I found out that, in fact, there is a particular strain of yeast that grows with a sympathetic bacteria that, in fact, is only found in the San Francisco Bay Area. And it's actually got a scientific name, like San Francisco yeastus. I made that part up, but it does have its own name, and it is named after San Francisco. Go home, Google this, you'll find it's true. Um, and so, you know, enterprising individuals have now captured this wild yeast. It's not hard. You just put something out, you know, like a mouse trap. Actually, it's bread and water, it's dough, it's no big deal. Anyway, so you catch this yeast, then you can dry it, and you can ship it all over the world. And so I bought a pack of San Francisco yeast, and I've been growing it at home in my refrigerator. And it's been great fun, and it's a science experiment, and sometimes it grows and it's all over the counter. It's, it's majestic, it's a lot of fun. So anyway, so I've been baking, and, and here's, here's the thing with yeast, is, is it's so small, but it's really important. So this is the loaf of bread that I baked with yeast. It's really nice and springy. And this is the—it's the same recipe, but I forgot to put yeast in. I didn't forget; I intentionally didn't because I knew we were going to do this today. And so, listen to this: like, it's hard. Like, it's good—good luck with that. We'll we'll clean that up later. It's good luck with that, right? This thing's hard. It's hard as a rock. But this same recipe—it's got yeast. What happened? It's grown. It's got life inside of it. See, Jesus says that the kingdom of God is like that, that you hide a little bit of yeast in it, and it grows, and it becomes sustenance, and it becomes for us a spiritual power. That's what the kingdom of God is. The kingdom of God will grow in sustenance. It will grow in power, it will influence, and it will give us spiritual power. It is a source of spiritual power for us. That's what the kingdom of God does. It grows, you might say, in influence and becomes our strength. That, that yeast, it influences all of the bread uh, flour that you would mix in there. It, it influences all of it so that way it becomes one thing. It's not like the flour sticks in one part and the yeast comes the other. It influences the whole dough, and it becomes for us a source of strength. That's what it does. Now, here's the thing. We live very removed from the world of the parables, we live in a place that's very removed from the world of parables. I know that sourdough bread has taken on sort of its own cult following right now, um, but you know most of us just go to the store and buy bread. You know, and we don't give much thought to how it is formed. And so I wanted to give a quick rudimentary bread making lesson for for those of you that are not bread makers. This is dough. It's just flour and water. If you want to write that recipe down, you can real quick. It's it's just flour and water. That's all. And what you do with dough is you got to smash it together. You got you to gotta push it together. They call it kneading it. And when you push it together, it starts to stick. Now, gluten's the thing that everybody's against. I'm pro-gluten. Uh, some people are anti-gluten. That's all right. You know, we still love you. Um, but gluten is sort of this molecule that starts to stick together. When you pull this bread apart... I don't know if we'll be able to get in on this or not, maybe camera guy in the back here. Uh, If we pull in on the back here, you start to see that it stretches and as you pop it apart, it's almost like it's got strings inside of it. That's the gluten sticking together. And you put a little more flour in there and you start to push it together. And if you do this, it starts to become hard. It becomes firm. As a matter of fact, sometimes I've had to even throw out some bread because I've overworked it. It becomes too hard. But Jesus says that sort of our life is like this ball of dough that just keeps getting pushed together. Again, this reminds me a little bit of God's creation with Adam. You know, he's got this this clay, this dirt that's there that he fashions, he puts together, he pushes on a little bit and makes it just right. Except in our lives, it's not just God that pushes on us, is it? We've got other things in life that push against us. We've got the stress of work that pushes against us. We have situations at home that push against us. We've got economic things that make us nervous. We've got all sorts of stuff that just sort of pushes against us. And if you give it long enough and you keep pushing against it, and you go through life without anything else, you end up kind of like that, difficult. It's hard. It's not useful for much. It brings you no life. What is it that takes this to here? It's, it's just a little bit of yeast. It's a yeast that, that works inside. And the funny thing about yeast is if you were to just put yeast in flour, it doesn't make bread. If you to put just yeast with water in flour, it doesn't make bread. You have to push it together. If you don't push it together, there's no friction. There's no gluten molecules that become essentially a, a balloon. They, they become a balloon, and it starts to fill up with this gas that the yeast breathes out. And so when you cut into some bread, what do you see inside there? You see all the holes. You see that that space in there that's been filled with that air that the yeast breathes out. It breathes into these hard places and it fills it up with life. That's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, listen, life is difficult and we're all kind of this messy, tough ball of dough, but, but if you give it a chance... And you hide some of that that God's kingdom inside of you. It'll grow and give you some life. Now, I don't want to make too much of it, but I don't think we should overlook it either. It's interesting to me what yeast does. It it eats some of that flour, and then it breathes out carbon dioxide. It's the same thing that we breathe out. It breathes out that life. You bake it. You break the bread open. And what ends up happening? You've got steam that comes out of it. It's this life, this breath that comes out, this exhalation. You see, it's it's in some ways like it's been filled with breath, like it's been filled with the breath of life, just like God breathed into Adam. And he said, I want you to live. He breathes into us. The kingdom of God breathes life into us. Jesus says, that's how you you get life. That's how you get through these difficult things. That's how you make it through when the world is pushing down against you. You've got to realize that that's not a problem. If you've got God's kingdom hidden inside of you, it will breathe life into those places that seem difficult and dead. God can breathe life into that. And so I don't know what kind of situations and scenarios you've been going through, but I can tell you that God's kingdom, faith in Jesus Christ it can breathe life into, your, into whatever situation you think you're in. There's nothing beyond the redemption of God. Jesus says that's what God's kingdom is like, breathing life into this hard, hard heart. He, he talks about the kingdom being the seed. It grows, and it becomes something of substance, and it becomes something that is a shelter. It, it grows in influence as it touches every part of our lives and brings life and becomes for us spiritual strength. Jesus wraps out the scenario or set of parables with a little bit of teaching on parables in verse 34. I want to look at that. It says, Jesus told the crowds all these things in parables. Without a parable, he told them nothing. This was to fulfill what had been spoken through the prophet. I will open my mouth to speak in parables. I will proclaim what has been hidden from the foundation of the world. You see, there's that word again. Maybe you missed it. That word, he says, I will proclaim what has been hidden from the foundation of the world. It's been hidden. Where? In the world. You see, Jesus is letting us know that God's kingdom, it will grow in truth. God's kingdom will grow in truth and become for us a source of truth and revelation and knowledge. God's kingdom grows in truth. That's what it does. It it is waiting to be discovered and uncovered in us just like that seed gets planted in the ground and it grows in a tree and just like the yeast gets planted into the dough and it becomes bread. God has tucked away seeds of truth of the kingdom of God throughout the world. They're, they're, they're tucked in our heart. They're tucked in the world. Paul is asked about this uh, when he's preaching to, to some, some Greek folks on Mars Hill and he says, listen, you know, God has set the world up in such a way that you would look for him and that you would find him. God has been tucked, the truth of God has been tucked into science and into nature and into all sorts of scenarios. That way, when you look at it and you see the amazing created order and you think, man, how is it that this little seed is so resilient and grows and becomes a things of substance? You go, man, it must be because it was designed that way. How is it that this yeast, which is essentially invisible to us, it's just out there in the air, you just catch it, just, you know, with putting out a little bit of dough and and, and it can sit in there, it can take over. Uh, You know, how is it that this comes and gives us the life we need? It's like somebody designed it that way. You look at how the earth is positioned from the sun, all these things, and you go, man, how is it that, that it's this way? And you start to see glimpses of truth. You start to think about the way that that we have relationships and we love each other and care for each other and what makes us start to think that maybe God's made us for relationship. You see, God has put glimpses of himself throughout the world and it's waiting for us to uncover. God has planted those seeds in us this morning, I don't know if you are a, you know, a Christ follower or not, or you're curious about Christianity, I would say this, you know, I think I've talked to a lot of folks who are interested in God, and they, they feel this draw. What is that draw? What is it that draws us closer to God? What is it that brings us in close? It's the truth of God inside of each of us. We've been made in the image of God. We have been created in his image, and so it's natural for us to go look for him. God has set it up that way. And here's the really, really good news. You will never go looking for God before God starts looking for you. God isn't playing hide and seek with any of us. He wants to be found. He wants to show himself to us. He wants us to experience the joy of living in his kingdom and we find it to be a shelter in times of difficulty. He wants us to find the truth, the the nurturing, the sustenance of God's kingdom that becomes for us a source of strength. And he wants for us to find the truth of God's kingdom, which reveals and makes sense of all the things that we struggle with. And the longer we live in God's kingdom, the more and more we will find it to be a shelter, the more we'll find it to be a source of strength, and the more we'll find it to be a place of truth. This is why when we get to heaven, it is gonna be a perfect place in God's protection, in God's house, living in God's presence, cared for by him. But it's so easy to overlook you know, what is it that sets two candidates apart from the rest of the 1,212 candidates? It's noise, it's money, it's flash, it's pizzazz. It's, it's coming into town, it's having billboards, it's having pop-up ads on, online, all of those things. It's having robocalls in the texts. I'm getting all sorts of texts from people now. It's, it's having enough money to, to make sure that you're saying, look at me, look at me, listen to me, vote for me. Whereas Jesus says, that's not how God's kingdom grows. It's quiet. What's the sound of a seed growing? What's the sound of of bread being baked? What's the sound of truth being revealed? It's quiet, which is why it's so easy to overlook. Sometimes the most important things in life are not the things that are the loudest or the flashiest, which is why we've got to go look for them. This morning here, we're going to spend some time and we're going to take communion together. And it's a quiet act here. We do it pretty quietly. We do it pretty, it's pretty calm here. Uh, That's okay, because I think often we've got too much noise in our life. And so before we get to that time of communion, I want to give you a little bit of a prayer challenge. I want to give you a little bit of a thing to think about, which is where have you been missing God this week? And and if you're going, I don't even know where I would start looking for that. Just pray in the quiet place of your seat. Say, God, where have I overlooked you this week? What have you been trying to say to me this week that I've been too busy to hear? And just allow yourself to have a few moments of stillness to see what is it that God's been trying to say that you've been too busy to listen to. Let's take that time, and then in a minute, I'm gonna come back and I'll lead us in taking communion together. But let's take a few minutes now to just ask God, what is it that you're trying to show me? Where have you shown up that I've missed you? Let's do that right now.